things are afoot at the Circle K. chosen one to host the show, but hosting is a full-time commitment, and he's been a little distracted lately. Trinity. See what I'm talking about? Listen here, you beautiful bitch, I'm about to fuck you up with some truth. Watch the sass, Captain Sassy Pants. Yeah, you're kind of spazzing out, dude. You haven't answered my question. Yes, I did. You see, what You I... haven't answered my... I'm trying. You just need to let me talk. Why am I here? You shut up. You won't let it. No, you won't let it! I'm the one who talks! Okay, mouth shut! Ears open! You haven't had You do not want to see me get out of this chair! What's up, everybody out there in podcast land? To all my listeners in the United States and abroad, you have tuned in to one of the greatest podcasts to ever grace your ear holes. Okay, because this is done by just an everyday dude, not a professional podcaster, not a professional uh, actor, actress, comedian, uh, somebody that's trying to gain fame and notoriety. This is somebody uh, that wants to talk about life and by experience. You know, I was telling a young man the other day who is 19 years old and he's getting ready to go to basic training. And I said, you are about to embark on one of the first big pieces of knowledge in your entire life. And I said, up to this point, you have very little knowledge about the world. I was like, you have things that you've learned and you have secondhand knowledge and thirdhand knowledge and things that you think you know about the world, but you don't truly know anything until you've experienced it. And so I get people that ask about basic training, ask about life in the military, ask about what it's like to deploy overseas or to uh, fight in war or to go outside the wire in a combat mission, Um, you know, what it's like to rappel out of a helicopter, what it's like to jump out of airplane. And the bottom line is this, until you do it, You can watch all the videos you want. You can read all the books. You can talk to 20 people that have done it. It doesn't mean that you truly understand it and you don't know the truth about it. Your truth, okay? (laughs) I love that term, your truth. This is my truth, okay? But truth is experience. No one can ever take that away. Now, if you were scared jumping out of an airplane, it doesn't mean that everyone's going to be scared jumping out of an airplane. I I would say most people are. But no one can take away that you were. And so that's your experience. And so if you say, I was scared, and someone goes, it's not scary, and then they've never done it, you absolutely know that they're full of shit and that no one can take away the experience that you had. And so when I talk about... Uh, New Year's resolutions, I always think of it as, you know, the whole new year, new me, that you 
start the year off with having some goals and some aspirations about what you want to achieve in your life and you go forward with it. But most of the time people have some gimmick. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop eating sugar. I'm going to lose 20 pounds or whatever. And they don't change their life. They're just trying to change, maybe um, have some kind of temporary change. Or they want to have something that's um, kind of a sound bite. Uh, this is what I'm trying to do. Instead of one, you should never start any kind of change with I'm going to try. You should just say I'm going to do it. Now, let me preface it with this. If it's something that has been done and it's a common practice that normal people accomplish it, um, you know, it's that you've heard of multiple quote unquote normal people accomplishing it, no matter if it's running a marathon, stopping uh, or quitting smoking, losing 50 pounds, getting a college education, normal people can accomplish those things. So it's very important for you um, as a quote unquote normal person to not preface it with I'm going to try because that's you're already 50% defeated because you kind of given yourself an out okay Um, you'll see people pat themselves on the back for attempting things all the time which is ridiculous Um, so you have to start out with I will and that way if you just attempt the effort No one can give you any credit because you said you were going to do something. If you say you try, you always got that out. Say you will do it. And then when you don't do it, hopefully you feel some shame. Hopefully you feel some remorse. And hopefully people hold you accountable to say, you said you were going to do it and you didn't. Well, I tried. Yeah, but you didn't say you were going to try. You said you were going to do it. So people tend to hold you to it a little bit more when you say, I'm going to do something. Okay. So that's the that's the first thing about, you know, the whole New Year's resolution fad that's been around for a long time. I don't do New Year's resolutions. I do personal growth challenges. And how those differ is there's no time limit on it. There's no uh, anniversary date. It's once you accomplish whatever goal that you have, you now set another goal. That's what you should be doing. Some goals you can do simultaneously, uh, but some goals you can't achieve one before the other. Like I can't get a master's degree until I get a bachelor's degree. And so it's important that you, whatever your um, long-term goals are or your short-term goals is you constantly make another goal. And it doesn't have to be grand. It doesn't have to be scaling a mountain or, you know, reinventing yourself. Um, It could be something as simple as I'm just going to, you know, eat healthier uh, I'm going to try to be less angry. I'm, I'm going to try to spend more time with my kids. It could be something that is, isn't easily gauged by any outside person, but you know it. And if you have a healthy ego and you develop a healthy mindset, it's very easy to hold yourself accountable and you don't need those outside influences. And so one of the, one of the guys that I read a lot and I listen to him, um, his name is David Goggins. And he was a former Navy SEAL, uh, went to ranger school in the Army as well, and was a pararescue operator in the United States Air Force. The only person to ever do all three, by the way. And he's an ultra runner, and he does all these really 
monumental physical tasks. And if anybody's ever done a physical task, you know a lot of it is, is mental anyway. Um, but he's a big believer when you're working out that it's, it's cheating when you're running to listen to music. And he says cheating because you because weak people need external motivation, but strong people, the motivation always comes from the inside. And I completely understand what he's saying. I'm not going to say that there's not times that you can't use external motivation, but if you're constantly using external motivation, what happens when that external motivation is gone? Then you're left with just you, yourself, your thoughts, um, your actions, your beliefs, um, you need to have some kind of internal drive. And so I think it's a very good practice to always try to find an internal motivation. One of my pet peeves is when I meet people that are doing something in their life um, and, they, and they pretend to be martyrs and say, I'm doing this for my kids. I'm doing this so my son will be proud of me. And um, one... They, you, you need to find some reason to do it for yourself. If it's especially if it's like what I'm making reference to is you see it all the time on like a reality shows and like people that are like UFC fighters or, or uh, people that are trying to achieve something personal and they try to say, well, I don't really want it. I'm just doing it so my kid will be proud. Well, you know, if you've ever had a kid or you've been around kids, kids are going to be proud of their parents. Okay. I don't care if you're a manager at Walmart um, or you are a ultra marathon champion. If you are a good person and you work hard, people will be proud of you. You know, to what level? Um, that's a little bit different. But it's to me, it's a bullshit excuse um, because maybe they they don't want to admit that one, they're selfish and they're they're doing something for themselves, which there's nothing wrong with that. Or two, they don't have the proper internal motivation and they constantly need to uh, invoke their kids or their family uh, for the reason why they're working, um, you know, 70, 80 hours a week at something. So um, it's important for you to find the why. So I bring this up. Uh, I bring up the personal growth challenge and New Year's resolutions. Because this is the time if, you know, everyone knows that goes to the gym, it starts thinning out about February. All the people that said that they were going to get in shape and then they just stopped going, which is fine, you know, whatever, to each their own, right? <clears throat> um, so it's important to remind people why they wanted to make a resolution to begin with. And I'm going to caveat that into kind of the subject of this podcast is now... I know I rant and rave a lot. Okay, let me preface what I'm about to say. So I rant and rave a lot. Um, there's a lot of negativity sometimes that um, gets cast on my diatribes in my rants. I had one of my uh, one of my few buddies that listens to the podcast um, told me the other day that uh, we used to work together, and he goes, you know, I listen to your podcast and I reminisce about the days when you've just been in the office ranting and raving about this. And, and if I only knew then I could have recorded it and made a podcast, you know? So, um, I understand where he's coming from and I don't disagree that I do rant and rave and I am extremely negative 
a lot. And But one of the things that I've been trying to work on um, just as a person, not like a growth challenge or resolution or anything like that, is just to always kind of find if I have something negative to give a positive message on maybe what what to learn about that negative actions or behavior and always kind of reshape it at the end of it to something positive like, you know, uh, an, an action. You don't want to just complain. Is we have a we have a saying in the army that if you go to someone higher because there's a problem, you better have a solution. If not, then that's what privates do. Okay, the lower enlisted people. But if you're an NCO, a non-commissioned officer, or an officer, and you're bitching about something, you can bitch, but you better have a solution. You can't just complain about something and not offer a solution, and you better be part of that solution. It shouldn't be a passive thing where you're wanting someone else to do something, something you can do to drive change. And so I try to apply that in my everyday life as well. Now, let me take a quick pause for station identification. This is Strange Things Are Foot at the Circle K with your host, Johnny Doe. And with station identification, we usually recognize our official unofficial sponsors. Now, today, we are once again brought to you by the powerful NOS Energy Drink. Now, if you are an avid listener of this podcast, you know I go up and down with the whole energy drink thing. NOS is really the only one I drink. I used to drink a couple a day, and then I went down to one a day, and then I went and I just stopped drinking it all together. And then I was like, well, why am I not drinking it? Because it's not that bad for you if you just have it every once in a while. So I'm back to the maybe once every other day. I don't do it every day. I didn't have one yesterday, um, but I had one. Did I have one the day before? I can't remember. I don't like keep hardcore track. But if I feel like having one, I have one, but I don't just stock the fridge with them. Okay. So, but they are my official unofficial sponsor. And if you've listened to this podcast before, you know when I'm jacked up on NOS that sometimes I get a little heated. Now, if you've noticed the tone of my voice, I'm trying to keep it somewhat subdued because I know that um, some of the things I'm going to talk about, I tend to get a little ramped up. So I haven't dropped too many F-bombs yet, so that's a good thing. Let me take a drink. I'm going to thank you or thank my sponsors, NOS my official unofficial sponsor for uh, not providing me with any free shit. So I have to go buy it and endorse it like a real person does. Uh, When we endorse a product, we invest our own money into, and we're not these corporate shills that just fucking say, hey, you should, you know, um, I love Joe Rogan, but you know, what pays for his podcast and his lifestyle? Advertisers. And so when he says, hey, uh, wear me undies or use Squarespace, um, you know, I don't know that he actually would use those things if somebody wasn't giving them to him for free. I don't know. I don't listen to his podcast to get advice on that kind of shit, though. But it is refreshing to, to hear that somebody uses something and they're not getting paid to say that. They just like the product. So that's the whole point of the official unofficial sponsor. Uh, yes. All right, and this is the Blue Snowball mic, by the way. You know, this was one of the cheapest microphones that got good reviews on Amazon when I first started this podcast a couple years ago. And the intention was just to start a podcast and then I'll later upgrade to something a little bit beefier and more significant. But I can tell you right now, I I don't soundproof my room or anything. 
And this Snowball mic, it, it still sounds good to me. I just don't see a point in replacing it at this point. And it's not that expensive. And so I w- will definitely endorse this as an official, unofficial sponsor because um, if you're starting a podcast or looking for a good microphone, the Blue Snowball microphone is very good. I know the Blue Yeti's really good. Uh, people have told me and I wanted to upgrade to that, but I just don't see the point. It's just a waste of money if this one's still working. So... <clears throat> That's that's all I can say about that. I just have a windscreen on it and, you know, have it attached to one of these little arms and it's good to go. So <clears throat> anywho. So what what is this podcast about? Now, you already kind of know because uh I, you know, put a title description on there. Now, when I was prefacing what we we're talking about and saying that I, you know, want to try to tie in some positivity. Let me start with some positivity. In the sense of when when I say positive, I mean it's something that you can, you're not a passenger, you're the pilot. I'm a big believer in all things um, pilot related. I'm not a believer in passenger related things. Now, when I say being a pilot, you're in control. Now, um, much like being a pilot of an aircraft, you can't control the weather. You can't control the lightning. You can't control uh, maybe the, even the barometric pressure if you're going through the mountains, maybe the, the, the way that the air is or the temperature. You can't control that. But you can control your altitude. You can control your wind speed. You can control uh, how much that you train as a pilot in those different conditions. You can control maintenance on your aircraft. You can control... Um, Making sure you have enough fuel if it's a big plane, making sure you have a crew, uh, making sure that you keep up to date with all the um, all the latest and greatest of safety equipment. And at the end of the day, you are responsible for every person that's in that aircraft and you are responsible for the aircraft and yourself. And so that's why I say pilot. When you're a passenger of an aircraft, you're sitting in a seat. You're letting someone else bring you food. Someone else is providing toiletries when you go use the bathroom. Someone else is providing pressurized oxygen in the cabin. Someone is providing you many times with entertainment, with a pillow, with a blanket, with snacks, with beverages, with headphones. All you're doing is paying a set amount for a ticket to ride on that plane And they're trying at the best of their abilities to ensure that you get there, ensure your safety, and ensure uh, that it's going to be a pleasant trip. But, here's the big but. Here's the big Kim Kardashian fake but. You have little control over ensuring that all those things happen. You just have to have faith in the product that you have made the choice to purchase, or in this case, participate with their air travel program. So, I choose to be a pilot in my life. Now, like I said, a pilot can't control everything, but they can control taking responsibility for those other things they can't control. Like, for instance, before they take off, and they see there's bad weather to the east, 
they might want to fly somewhat southeast or northeast to avoid some of that inclement weather. They might want to fly right through the inclement weather, but they have to take responsibility for that action. You hear what I'm saying? If you're a passenger, you might be going through that inclement weather and no one asked you if you wanted to. We're taking a higher risk by going through the inclement weather, but you have no choice. You didn't know. You just bought the plane ticket. And so when I look at things, or I should say people, and people giving advice or people giving counsel on how to live a certain way, or if I'm trying to figure out if this person is a credible individual and someone worth listening to, by the way, you should be doing the same, but if you are trying to decipher that, then the first thing that I look for is if these people have the philosophy of being the passenger or the pilot. So a lot of people that I follow and listen to, I'm not going to name because I've named them before, but people that take personal responsibility for things in their life, knowing that you can't control everything, knowing that there's going to be things that are unfair or things that happen called life that aren't foreseen and maybe some other people don't have to deal with. Knowing that if they focus on themselves, that all those other things can be a very small factor or even a non-factor. Like I said, the pilot can avoid that storm. Or if he's a very, very good pilot and he has a great aircraft, he can go right through the center of it. So that preparation of getting the right aircraft and the right training means that he could go right into that storm. But knowing and taking accountability that he's a rookie pilot and he has a shitty airplane, he just doesn't take off that day or avoids the storm altogether. And so there's control measures in place. In the Army, we do these things called composite risk assessments. Okay? And what a, what a composite risk assessment is, is that you look at something, go, okay, we're going to... Um, We'll say jump out of an airplane. When you're doing that risk assessment, you first look at all the things that could go wrong. The parachute couldn't open. The plane could crash. The you know your your um, uh, lines could get tangled up. Your you know chute doesn't open, or your reserve locks. You you know you uh, pass out. Whatever, whatever the issue might be, and then you implement certain controls, like certain kind of training or, you know, tandem jumping or whatever you do. And then afterwards you assess, here's all the risks, here's all the controls. What is the risk level? And if the risk level is too high, then that leader has to assess, is this even worth doing? Now, a lot of times the answer is still yes, because you have to have that training or if it's, you're doing a military mission or, or whatever, like the, you know, when they uh, D-Day, when they storm the beaches of Normandy, the risk is extremely high, but they they needed to because the, the type of mission, it was worth all the casualties that they were going to take. They fully understood they were going to take a lot of casualties, but they still did it anyway. Now, if the point of the Battle of Normandy was 
wasn't anything that was really going to change the tide of the war and it wasn't important land to take and it wasn't an important operation, then after that composite risk um, that composite risk analysis was done, they wouldn't have done the mission. It's always risk versus reward. And all those analogies you can apply to your life as well. And so when you're taking personal responsibility, you're not blaming the environmental things that you maybe didn't foresee um, or the things that you can't control. You simply try to control the things that you can because there are significant amounts of things that you can control. So, you know, lately I've really been looking and reading and watching a lot of people in our society that claim to be victims. And everything from, you know, the Antifa people, the anti-fascist people movement, to people on college campuses that are complaining about white or male privilege. Um, you hear things like the gender pay gap and people that, you know, take the gender studies classes and, you know, the Me Too people, the um, Black Lives Matter people, I'm lumping them all together. And I'm lumping them together not because that there's not some that are more, uh, that, have a, that have more of a point than others or not that any of them don't have relative arguments for certain things. But why I don't subscribe to any of those things, even though the underlying cause might be just and they might, um, there might be some things and analysis to take from it, I don't like to endorse or to throw my hat in the ring of being a supporter of anything that's like this because the, all these organizations or all these things that I um, alluded to or that I mentioned I forementioned, they preface everything with being victims and not being in control of their lives. And that they, the, the control measures, the risk analysis is that there's nothing that they can do. Okay, it's like being caught out in a hailstorm and there's no cover, there's no trees, you don't have a vehicle, you're butt naked, and the risk is getting pelted with ice balls, and there's no way to mitigate that risk. You can curl up in the fetal position, but other than that, there's nothing you can do. And that's what they liken their plight to. But I often wonder what would happen if some of these people that spent so much time protesting on college campuses about the injustices of the world, if they really took a look, one, of what each group, or I, I don't even want to say group, but because it, it's based on individuals, what individuals can do to mitigate their own risks in life and base all of these principles on individuals instead of groups. And one of the things that I've never understood is when, especially on the liberal side, and I'm sure the Republican side or the, the conservative side does the same thing, but I really recognize it on the liberal side where 
they get mad at someone for not being all inclusive or they judge like you say all black people or all gay people or all trans people. And what do you mean by all people? What do you mean by you people? But then they will come back and say all white people, all Republicans, Republicans are Nazis, conservatives are this and fascist and blah, 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 blah. And they lump everybody in. And these people are a lot of times college educated and they don't even realize that their argument is pretty much castrated from the beginning when they have such glaring hypocrisy right off the bat, right out of the gate. And so what I always look at and what I've always been, always struggled with when I was younger was not understanding that there is no all-inclusive thing that everybody fits into these convenient little boxes. I mean, that's even what these uh, liberal uh, people will constantly say. We're individuals. Don't judge us. Don't judge all of us. Just judge us on an individual basis. And I couldn't agree more. But when you say that I cannot achieve something, okay, talking as this group, we cannot achieve something as this group, this people, um, because of white privilege, male privilege, because of uh, what's what's the other term that they use all the time? Toxic masculinity, right? Those are the things that I cannot buy into. And I'm going to tell you why. So white, let's start with white privilege. And it kind of ties into male privilege. Let's go ahead and just say white male privilege, since that's what I am. I'm a white male. I'm a white male and so there are a segment of our there's a segment of our population that would say that I have it easy. And if I don't achieve greatness in my life, then I'm really a loser because I've had every single advantage given to me. And that is a bold bold statement. And you are already making the assumption that just being white and being male counters any other um any other disabling factor that you might have in your life. So I'm going to go ahead and use my own life as an example, as how I preface this entire episode with you don't have true knowledge unless you experience it. So I'm not going to talk about a hypothetical person. I'm going to talk about me. And so I was born into a, I would say, middle-class family, white family, obviously, And after my parents got divorced, I would say I grew up in a lower middle class family. And then after my mom finally moved out of our grandparents' house and we had our own place, it was a lower, uh, above the poverty line, but very lower class. And why I say that is because we lived in government housing that if you made over a certain amount of money, you you weren't even allowed to live there. So it was nothing but... That, that's the definition of someone that's under a certain line of, of economics, okay? So I know because my mom later let me uh, put uh, transferred over that property to me 
And then after I got a really good job when I was in my mid-20s, I had to move out because I was paying a huge penalty to live there because I made too much money. And by the way, that was like over $30,000 a year. <laughs> not like 100000 not 60000 but $30,000 a year you couldn't live there. Okay, so now when I was born, or I shouldn't say when I was born, as I grew up, I found out that one, you know, I wore glasses since I was the age of five. I've had really bad astigmatism, still do, even though I've had an eye surgery. Um, really bad eyesight. And that eyesight meant that I had to wear big, thick glasses my entire life. Okay? And all through school, growing up without a father, especially in the early 80s, it wasn't as common as it is now. So with giant glasses, being kind of small, being shy, being antisocial, not having a father, not having someone to teach me how to be a man or to stand up for myself, I got picked on a lot. And the word I heard a lot was I got called nerd. Now, nerd, people have reclaimed that as being something positive now. And you see nerd culture and you see you know, shows like Silicon Valley and, and uh, what's that other one? Um, Oh shit! What's it? What's it called? Um, where the whole cast is like scientists and stuff. Myambiolic is is uh, I. It'll come to me. But though there's all these shows that are like celebrating nerds and geeks, and nerds, you know, had a certain connotation of like people that were book smart and people that are into like robotics and into like studious things or whatever else, you know, maybe they're into Star Trek, they're into, you know, comic books or whatever else. Well, when I was being called a nerd, I was failing a lot of classes in school. I was reading at a very low level because I, at the time, had an undiagnosed learning disability that was later figured out in high school. Um, I wasn't into any thing that was like nerd culture. I wasn't even into comic books at the time. Later, I became into them, but I wasn't into any of that stuff. And I got labeled a nerd just because of how I looked. How I looked. As a privileged white male, I got judged on how I looked. Later, I got, I had really bad acne. I was still small, short, um, you know, couldn't afford the nice haircut, the nice shoes, the nice clothes. So I got made fun of by how I looked as a white male. Later, um, before my learning disability really came to the forefront as far as me understanding it, I just thought I was stupid. And that was reflected by the teachers um, reiterating those that kind of terminology to me is that they saw me as either lazy or stupid or a combination of both. And so now I grew up poor, single mother, in a not a good neighborhood, didn't have any money, didn't ever have an idea that I could go to college because I wasn't smart. We definitely didn't have the money for me to go even to a community college. I wasn't confident. I got made fun of. I got picked on. I got beat up. I was around a lot of losers in that bad neighborhood that kind of brought me down from a cultural standpoint. Got called things like white trash or 
you know, things of that nature. Remember, I'm a white male. And so I didn't have a girlfriend until I was a senior in high school. Didn't even kiss a girl until I was a senior in high school. You know, and if I got made fun of, it was from girls and boys. White male privilege. And later, I didn't even graduate high school because I had such low self-esteem when I wasn't on track to graduate. I didn't drop out. I just stopped going. After my senior year of high school, I just stopped going. And most people that were in my graduating class didn't even realize that I didn't graduate. I was such an insignificant person in high school. They didn't even notice that I wasn't there during graduation. It just didn't register with anyone. I was almost invisible. And to the only people I was visible to, they didn't even know my name. They just picked on me. And so this is the way my life was. I was a victim. Until one day, because of lots of different circumstances, some were influences like my mother and some was just life in general, I had an awakening. And during that awakening, I realized that no one was going to change my life but me. My mother wasn't. I didn't have a rich uncle. I didn't have a friend that worked, owned his own business that can hook me up with a job. Didn't have a trust fund. Hell, at the time, I didn't even have a car or a driver's license till I was 19 years old. There was a time that I was unemployed, still living at home, uneducated, learning disability, giant thick glasses that I was so insecure about that I chose not to wear them and just walk around blind all day. And so I would neglect to take certain jobs because I didn't want to have to wear my glasses. And if I needed my glasses to read a cash register or read a label or read a computer screen, I just wouldn't do that job. So I'd only do jobs like bussing tables or work in construction, roofing houses, working in factories. But as soon as I would get a job where I would need my glasses, I would quit and go find something else because I was so insecure. But once I started figuring out that nothing was going to change unless I changed it, then things started to click. I stopped blaming the world and saying, life isn't fair. And I controlled what I could control. I wore my glasses when I needed to. I was small and puny, so I started working out. I started reading books for the first time since high school and trying to educate myself, even if I didn't go back to school. Later I did, but at this time I didn't. I just was trying to educate myself. I started with self-help books like Tony Robbins, and then I later got into religious books like uh, a lot of books on Buddhism and uh, Taoism, um, read stuff on Confucius and I Ching, ancient Chinese philosophies, just to give me some perspective of the world that I was living in. And then I started working hard and getting opportunities through hard work 
and interviewing for jobs that I didn't think that I was qualified for, and then I end up getting them. Not because my daddy gave me the hookup or my uh, friend recommended me, just from the content of my character and working hard. And slowly, I started to build momentum. And then later, I decided to get my GED. And later, I decided to go to college and join the military. Later, I decided to, you know, correct my vision by getting LASIK surgery that I paid for myself through money that I earned from a deployment overseas. Later, I decided to do some of the things that used to scare me and did them knowing that it was going to benefit me long term. And the whole time I was doing this, I knew that nothing was going to change unless I changed it myself. And so I'm not saying that male privilege doesn't exist. I'm not saying white privilege doesn't exist. What I'm simply saying is it never existed for me. I've never received any preferential treatment for being white or being a male. And if I did, it was countered by the plethora of things that held me back. And if you want to talk about privileged people in our society, what about people that were born into good families, born with a high IQ, born with an athletic talent that they can later convert into millions of dollars by playing a child's game? Those people are privileged. But we only focus on the privilege, but we don't focus on the plethora of things that might be holding them back as well. Nobody has it easy. Everyone has, some people have it easier than others by a certain, uh, a, a certain scale, but you don't know what other challenges that they have. And just because you see a white male, so go find me a white male that was born paraplegic. Does he have white privilege? Does he have male privilege? What about the kid that I saw at one of the high schools I was in the other day that has Down syndrome, a white male? Is he privileged? So you're telling me that he should achieve more than uh, some Chinese, Japanese, Mexican, Panamanian, uh, someone from the Congo, someone from Jamaica that comes to this country and has a good education or gets the opportunity to do that or has a talent or has a high IQ. You're telling me that uh, that kid with Down syndrome because he's a white male, it trumps all the rest of that shit. Well, if, you know, that sounds blatantly obvious. But just because it's not something like Down syndrome or paraplegics, and it's not something that you can see, doesn't mean that some that people don't have hurdles in their life as well in spite of being a white male or being rich or being whatever that you think their privilege is. It really comes down to one thing and one thing only. Are you a pilot or are you a passenger? 
And there's never been a pilot that blames other people for their lack of success. Only passengers. And if you feel comfortable just going along for the ride and you're a passenger, and there are some people that are passengers that say, I'm buying this ticket to Japan. And they don't know how they're getting there. They just know they're going to end in Japan. And then there's passengers, to keep that analogy going, there's passengers that just buy a ticket and they don't even know where that plane is going. They don't know when it's going to land. They don't know how much fuel it has. They don't even know if that plane has the capability of getting them where they want to go, but they still buy it. There's passengers in this world that think they're getting on a plane, they're getting on a fucking bus. Because they have such little vested interest in controlling anything that they can control. They want to put it all on someone else and they want to put the blame on other people. And the positive spin is this. Privilege only exists if you allow it to exist. Once I stopped allowing myself to be referred to as a nerd or um, be made fun of for being dyslexic or having big thick glasses or being unathletic or not having a high school diploma, once I decided not to be a passenger and I decided to be a pilot, I corrected and rectified all of those things to the best of my abilities. It doesn't mean that I still don't have roadblocks, but if you understand the actual literary or literal definition of a roadblock, it doesn't mean that you can't still go forward. You just can't go forward on that road. You can just find another path. Roadblock is not an excuse. And so what I say to people of the Antifa that say I'm against fascism, I want to uh, change it because the government is holding me back and the political system is keeping our rights and keeping us from achieving certain things. Well, then you need to explain all the people from your groups that you think are being excluded how they've achieved anything. You're telling me there's never been a trans woman that achieved something or a trans man or a gay man or a gay woman or a black man or a black woman or a blind man or a blind woman. Have you ever heard of Stephen Hawking? Oh, wait, he was white and he was male. So that's why he was a successful physicist. Not because he was a genius, because he was a white male. Yes, he had to blow in a little fucking straw to move his wheelchair. And he literally had to type with his fucking eyeballs. But he was a white male, so he, his life was so much easier. Hmm, that's good to know. It's good to know that Albert Einstein, because of his white male privilege, doesn't matter that he was a Jew at one point living in Germany. Hell, he was still privileged. So that's why that everybody knows who Albert Einstein is because of his white privilege. Look at Malcolm X. Look at Dr. Martin Luther King. Look at the era that they grew up in. Look at the era that they um, gained their notoriety. And yes, they were both assassinated. I get that point. But they both controlled what they could control and in spite of the things working against them, still was able to find a way to get their message across. 
and them being assassinated made them far stronger than if they wouldn't have been. I'm not saying it's a good thing that they got assassinated, but JFK might have been the worst president ever if he would have stayed alive. But because he was cut down in his prime, we always refer to him as one of our greatest presidents. No different than Kurt Cobain or uh, you know Janis Joplin or these people that died young before they started to fall, right? Barry Sanders... We can, we, if you're a football fan, you can go back and look at his highlights, but you can't find where he started to slow down because he got out and retired like when he was in his 30s when I was still at the top of his game. Michael Jordan, on the other hand, we can watch kind of his degradation or Shaquille O'Neal or a lot of those people. And so, why I bring up Dr. Martin Luther King and Malcolm X is because they both had powerful messages and they both had a perspective. Um, and even though they both, uh, especially Malcolm X, you know, had pointed the finger at many things, he was still able to gain a certain amount of notoriety by taking some personal accountability. Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King, more so than Ma- Malcolm X, stopped blaming so much on other things and said, control what you can control. And now you have people, leaders of these organizations that are essentially making people less evolved, putting people back 50, 60, 80 years by saying you guys are the victims and you have no control to fix it. When everything is based on an individual basis, You cannot say something as a systemic problem and it's impossible to get out of this system and to achieve anything when people do. And so maybe we ought to look at people as individuals and say, individually, what can this person do to rectify some of the ills of society? If someone is black and someone is gay and they also have a learning disability and they're also a quadriplegic, and they also are poor. Yes, that is a giant mountain to climb. I completely agree. They got fucked on the world lottery. And then there's this white, male, straight, rich, handsome, buff, intelligent man. Those two are not in the same league. But it doesn't mean that that handsome, rich male can't fall. And it doesn't mean that that black uh, disabled gay learning disability poor person can't find a way to get out of the situation they're in as far as the things that they can control. There's certain things you'll never be able to control. I'll never have 20-20 vision. I'll never not have a learning uh, disability. I'll never be able to play center for the New York Knicks. And it's not because of discrimination. It's because our society is set up to reward the people that are able to function at the highest. And is it fair 
that I can't function at the highest. I'm not a genius. I'm not a freak athlete. I'm not rich. I think it's perfectly fair because the people that should be rewarded by this system are the people that rise to the top, no matter if it was through hard work or through circumstances of their genetics. I'm not mad that Barry Sanders is richer than me and more famous than me. And it's not just because of his hard work. It was also due to the genetic lottery. But the bottom line is that everybody starts on their path and nothing is keeping them from it. There's going to be roadblocks for everyone. There's going to be things that stand in your way. But if you are in a perpetual state of looking outward and not looking inward and saying, who can fix my problems? The answer is no one, unless you look at the mirror. If you try to take some personal responsibility, I promise you, you're going to get further than you would have if you're waiting for the government to come in and fix your problems. You're waiting for society to even the playing field because the playing field has never been even. You can say that it's white privilege or male privilege. You can say that because of certain things uh, things that you have, you have it easier. But it also means when you achieve like what I've achieved, I know what I've came from and what I've came through. And so, you know, the sweeter the berry, the sweeter the juice, it's the exact same philosophy. When a rich, white, handsome, um, smart, genius male achieves something, people go, yeah, I, I figured that. But when Stephen Hawking or somebody that has, you know, all the ill-gottens of society in the world, you know, Nelson Mandela, Gandhi, and they achieve what they achieve, in spite of all that, that's where they become a, almost a mythical figure in history. So you can look at the things that are working against you as opportunities or you can look at them as reasons for not achieving something. Every time somebody puts something on you that is hard and something that is going to be a challenge, winners or pilots see it as an opportunity. Losers see it as a reason to not achieve. You know, people love blaming other people because then it takes the burden of responsibility off of their shoulders. And I'm here to tell you to put the burden back on your own shoulders. You know, I started this podcast a couple years ago. I mean, I've been doing it for a little while. And I can tell you right now, I get a couple thousand downloads a month after doing this for a couple years. Is that fair? Yes, it is. Does that mean that there's 
podcasts out there that aren't privileged? Yes, there is. There's podcasts that start at the top of the charts because the person that's doing it is in bed with iTunes and they go right on the front page of the iTunes fucking website and people can download them very easily. If somebody famous decides to do a podcast, you think they go into the same category that mine does? You think it goes right next to mine in the iTunes library? No, it goes to the top. It gets pushed. It gets recommended. Is that fair? Yes, it is fair. Not, no, it's not fair. Yes, it is fair because iTunes is trying to get clicks and listen and make money. And if they think they can make money off me, they will promote me in the same way that they will Kim Kardashian or you know whatever celebrity of the month decides to do a podcast. I'm a big follower of Casey Neistat on YouTube. And he's very famous on YouTube and he, you know, started, you know, uh, relatively from the bottom, but because he is so famous on YouTube, as soon as he decided to do a podcast, even though he didn't do it very regularly, um, you know, it, it might not have been the most thought-provoking podcast or wasn't breaking new ground, it still went to the top of the fucking charts and lots of downloads cuz instantly they would recommend that because he was famous. That is fair because he worked hard to be put in that position. No one gave him that. You should reap the benefits of your hard work, even if it you worked hard in a different area and it then comes into a different area. You deserve that. I'm a huge, uh, uh, a huge fan of the UFC. And there's people like Brock Lesnar or CM Punk. And people get pissed because they get opportunities that a regular fighter coming up doesn't get. Well, if you're marketable, that's part of selling a fight. So it's not based just purely on your skill. But why don't you control what you can control? Keep winning fights. Try to make yourself more marketable. And one day, maybe you'll be in that position. But people like to to complain about the things that are out of their control. And they want to pretend that someone else is controlling their destiny. Someone can only control you if you chose to be controlled. I don't care what that system is. And there's people that are taken prisoners of war. And then there's people that are killed. And sometimes the difference is one person gave up and the other person didn't. But they still made a choice. And I'm not saying it's not honorable to be taken prisoner. What I'm saying is don't act like you don't have a choice. Sometimes life is about two tough choices. Sometimes life is about there is no easy way out. Or like with me, I have my own podcast. I have my own YouTube channel. And there's nothing that is set up in our infrastructure, no matter if you're talking about podcast, iTunes, YouTube, or society as a whole, that guarantees that there's a formula for me to be successful. Is that fair? Because there's people that are just beautiful and then they have expensive camera equipment and they all they do is try on clothes and they're going to get clicks on YouTube. Instantly get clicks on Instagram or anything else. All they're doing is using the advantages they have. 
and making the most of those. We all have advantages. We all have disadvantages. Some of us have, it's a hundred to one ratio, the advantages to disadvantages, and some of us have hundred to one disadvantages to advantages, but it doesn't mean you can't still exploit the advantages that you have and try to mitigate your disadvantages. My disadvantages were being poor, not having a father, not having an education, having bad vision, having a learning disability. And I mitigated those to the best of my abilities. I try to control the things that I had control over. Do I have 20-20 vision? No, but I have better vision than I did when I was a kid because I went and paid $3,000 to have surgery. I controlled what I could control. There was no guarantee. I was told that I would have better vision than what I have right now if I had that surgery. And it's not necessarily that they were, I was lied to. It's just every person's different. You don't know what the outcome's going to be. And I was willing to take that chance. But I never had the entitlement of it has to work out this way or I got screwed over. There's people that don't work hard at their job. And then when they get fired, they say that someone fucked them over. There's UFC fighters that I watch that lose four in a row and get cut and say that something wasn't fair. I just don't understand about where anything is written that this world is supposed to be fair and equally equitable for all beings, creatures, and people. So the sooner that you figure out a way to take accountability and take ownership of your own life, the sooner you do that, the sooner you have, or the sooner that you are, the closer you are to living a happy life into living the type of life that you want and forget about all the things that you can't control. Let's go back to my analogy about being a pilot or being a passenger. Remember, there's things the pilot can't control. But I promise you this. If you work hard, you go to pilot school, you go to the best pilot school you can. And if you can't afford the best pilot school, then you work your ass off for years until you can. And then you go to that pilot school, that flight school, pilot school, okay, it's called flight school, and you work hard and you practice and you study. And you try to pilot in every single situation and scenario. You mitigate every risk that you can. You try to make sure that you have the ultimate preparation. And then when a storm pops up or your engine fails, doesn't mean that you're going to get out unscathed, but it does mean that through preparation, you have more of an ability to right the ship or the plane in this circumstance and get out of it. And then when you do, you're even wiser and you're even stronger than you were before because you've learned from it. And people just don't see that life is set up for you to have giant failures, but through preparation, you can learn from those failures and those failures can become what makes you ultimately unstoppable. 
Some people get lucky right off out of the gate. They start some app or some tech company and they become billionaires overnight. And some people, they fail and fail and fail and fail. And then they finally have a big company that's successful and they've, and they're successful because they've learned from all these failures. And the difference is this, is once that guy that made his first billion right off the bat, the first time he fails, he's not going to know how to write that ship because he's never encountered failure before. And there's a big chance that he could lose everything. Where that guy that's failed so many times, but he finally has something successful, well, now he can see the failure coming because it's happened so many times. He goes, oh, I've learned from this mistake or I got to pick this right manufacturing or I got to remember this on the shipping or the bookkeeping or or how to you know have the right employees or whatever the circumstance or situation is. So you have you have to be able to adapt to your surroundings. And why I bring up like the Black Lives Matter stuff is because there's a segment of the black population that wants to take responsibility and then there's a segment that doesn't. You know, I'm not going to quote statistics, but we all know that black on black crime is more significant than white cops shooting black people. Doesn't mean that you can't solve both problems at the same time. But exclusively, they are focused on one set of problems and not the other. And that's where the problem is. When people get mad at Colin Kaepernick for kneeling, it's not because he doesn't have the right to kneel. The educated people understand that, I should say. The dumb rednecks are going to believe whatever they want to believe. Maybe they just don't like a black guy kneeling when the national anthem is being played. But me, what I look at is someone that's kneeling and is taking a stand for something because he knows it's going to get him pressed because he wants money, he wants endorsements, he wants he wasn't a good enough player, and so he's trying to uh, make a name in some other way. And he's doing it by protesting something that is killing far less black men than black on black crime. Why isn't he kneeling and 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 protesting all the violence that is done by gang members every single year to one another? He can do both at the same time, but he doesn't. He puts socks on that make fun of police officers and he's kneeling in front of a whole bunch of cops that are protecting him on a field that there might be people that want to do him harm in the stands and those cops, despite him giving reference to killing cops and cops being pigs and all this other shit, those cops are still professional enough to do their job and protect him. Because remember, freedom of a speech, freedom of speech comes at a cost. If you don't like what I say, you could protest, you could not download, you can talk shit. If you know where I live, you can show up at my house, you can harass me, all that shit. It comes at a cost. And he's feeling that cost too, but at least he has people that he's not paying. He's not paying those police officers and they're still there to keep him safe. The Me Too people. Yes, there's a problem with men taking advantage of women since the beginning of time. But we need to separate the women that are not mitigating those risks and that are doing stupid shit and the women that are just trying to punish their own regretful behavior. 
or lack of morals or lack of character. And there's a lot of problems that we have in our country that is just a lack of character. And if a woman wants to drink by herself with 10 frat guys and flirt and do all kinds of shit, there is no way of convincing me that that someone should rape her or that she deserves it or it's allowed or it's condoned. But it doesn't mean as from a personal standpoint that you should encourage people to not mitigate that risk and not put themselves in that situation because you can't control those 10 guys. You can control your own actions though. You can control something that everybody knows. Every single adult knows. If someone says, hey, I'm this hot looking chick and I'm dressed a certain way and I'm gonna be drunk and I'm going to these guys' house it's going to be fun that there's no person in the world that says, oh, that sounds like a safe and good idea. But now we're not allowed to say it because it's called victim blaming. Victim blaming. That's now a thing in our world. Where when I was a kid, I was taught to look both ways before crossing the street. And that's not victim blaming. That's called preparation. Or someone says, don't go into that neighborhood at night. Now that's victim blaming. Hey, you shouldn't do this. Hey, don't throw gasoline on that fire because it might burn you. That's victim blaming apparently. There was a dog that lived down the street named Coco when I was a kid. And he would bite everyone that walked down the street. Everyone. Or no, Blackjack was his name. He was a chow chow. That's what I'm thinking. Blackjack. He bit my sister. He he tried to bite me, but I was too fast on my bike. But if you went down there, you're taking (laughs) your life in your own hands. Is that victim blaming to say, tell your kid, don't go down there because there's a crazy fucking dog that always bites everybody? No, you just don't go down there. Doesn't mean you can't call the cops. Doesn't mean you can't call animal control. Doesn't mean you can't talk to your neighbors, say, get Blackjack some fucking training or keep him leashed up in your fucking yard. I'm not saying that you can't do that. But until that, that happens, until guys stop doing what they're doing on college campuses. You got to protect yourself and keep yourself safe and stop being an idiot and thinking you can act a certain way with lack of morals and lack of character. And the world is supposed to fucking protect you because there's people in foreign countries right now that are getting raped and murdered and getting their heads chopped off. And there's not a government around that will save them. Toughen up, suck it up, take responsibility and watch the problems and the social problems of this world start to dissolve. If everybody corrected their own house before they started looking at other people, if, if all the white kids on in their Ivy league schools that are complaining about all the social justice warriors, they're complaining about 
how they have, or there's white privilege and they're privileged too, and it's not fair, and they have to defend the black people as these white people need to start with giving up their privilege, that they are privileged, and that every single person that goes to an Ivy League school, no matter if you're black, white, red, green, blue, yellow, you are privileged. By definition, you are getting opportunities that I don't get because I have a learning disability and I don't have money to go to fucking Harvard. You are privileged because you are getting opportunities that 99% of the people in this country don't get. Why don't you fucking square that circle? And if you are a white person that is a social justice warrior going to a good school, then why don't you give up the right for you to go to school and take your money and, and, and go pay for a, an underprivileged kid to, to go in your place? You don't get to go because as long as you go, you're going to be more privileged than somebody else. So you can't. But no, they'll still go and get their education and get their good job and then talk down to everybody else about how they're fucking privileged. When the whole point of going to college is so you can get a privilege that other people don't, so you can get jobs that they don't get, so you can get money more money than someone that doesn't go to college so you can be uh, in a higher status of society. The whole definition of what you're trying to do with your life is to be more privileged than someone else. How convenient. That is how society is structured. There's got to be winners. There's got to be losers. But what's great about American culture and American society is just because you're a winner today doesn't mean you're not going to be a loser tomorrow and vice versa. I was a loser when I was in high school. I'm not a loser now. And it's not because of the government. It's not because of some social fucking program. It's because I woke the fuck up and decided to take responsibility and will not quit until I reach my potential. And, and I'm not there yet. And it doesn't mean I don't fail. It doesn't mean that I don't sometimes feel like a loser. It means that when I do, I slap myself in the face and say, only you can fucking change it. And I do something. I identify what the problem is and try to change it. And that is the key to happiness. That is the key to life is to find that thing that you can change. And when you change everything that you can change and you're the most perfect human being that you can be, then you can start looking outside of you. But until that happens, you can't do it. And guess what? You'll never achieve it. You can work your whole life on yourself and still not get there. It's like playing golf. You're never going to have, there's 18 holes in golf, right? You're never going to score an 18. And that's the beauty of the game. I hate golf because it's human fetch. But the beauty of the game is that you can never master it. And so it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep you trying to get, to keep taking one stroke off your score. Bowling, people score 300s all the time, but not in golf. And so that is the way life is set up. Not everybody can get everything and achieve everything. Personal growth is something that is a, a, a perpetual cycle that gets renewed all the time. As soon as you grow in one area, then something else is deficient. And you got to grow in that other area. And it's hard to keep all those balls in the air. It's work. It's, it's management of, of your life and time. But if you were focused on that, you wouldn't have time to worry about all the people that are holding you back. 
because you would leave them in the fucking dust. Lastly, when you say that people hold you back, you are giving them power. You are taking away your power, not them. You are taking it away. You can only take away my power if I relinquish it. Why are you choosing to be powerless? Choose to be powerful and see what your life can become. So Black Lives Matter, Antifa, Me Too, white male privilege, all the people that talk about the gender pay gap. So is Oprah make make more than fucking Jerry Springer? I don't know. But I know I do know this. If you work harder and you're more talented and you're smarter about business, you're going to make more money. I don't care what color, what creed, what sexual orientation. I don't give a shit. Anderson Cooper is gay. And there's people that are straight that are beneath him. You cannot sit there and fucking tell me that you're being held back. You might have to work a little bit harder in a certain area. You might have to find a different path. But don't act like that you are, are, are powerless to make changes for yourself. Because we live in a more progressive society than we ever have. But all these all these Antifa people and social justice warriors want their problems fixed by society, by the government. And that is the definition of fascism. They will constantly claim that someone like me is a fascist. But what is the definition of fascism? It's dictatorial power by a dictator. Forcible suppression and oppression. Okay, it's a regimented society. Okay, that that they regiment everything like the economy through taxes. I mean, the whole point. Okay, like here's here's the big hot points of fascism. Okay, here's some characteristics of fascism. You tell me what side it sounds like. Now, I will sit here and say you could define fascism. Uh, the book definition is different than how we term it, uh, make that terminology right now. But I can tell you right now, there's there's evidence of it on both sides. But But just listen to the key characteristics of fascism. Okay, fascism is against the arts. They want to suppress thought and creativity. They believe in like burning books and having few personal rights. That's some of the key characteristics of fascism. Now, look at these groups, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, Me Too, white privileged people, the social justice warriors. They want to take away the rich people's money and uh, redistribute it. Okay? They want to take away personal rights from people to have free speech. They believe in things like the, you know, hate speech. So that's against free speech. If who determines what hate speech is? Oh, them. That sounds like fascism to me. They want to prop up their politicians. They want to take away the right for me to choose like let's say healthcare and and things like that and they want the government to do it for you. Well, right there, it's right in the definition is they forcibly regiment society and the government picks everything for you. Okay, when I say they're against the arts and creativity, there's a lot of things that they want to say about comedians. Right now, they're committing art 
that they say that's hate speech. He shouldn't say that. You know, Louis C.K. did something that was really bad uh, against women, but now they're criticizing his comedy and saying he shouldn't say certain things. Well, those are two separate things. And when you're suppressing art, you are a fascist. And it's not just left-wing art. It's also right-wing art. So burning books. You know, they've banned certain books in schools and libraries. They say, we will not carry these books. It's not the right that's saying it. It's the left. So those are all the people, the social justice warriors, the Black Lives Matter. They're the ones that are saying that this person cannot speak at our college. We're going to protest and not allow them to speak. (laughs) Boy, that sounds like fascism to me. And as long as you are using that kind of rhetoric, you do not believe in America, you do not believe in the Constitution, you do not believe in our freedoms that people have fought and died for. And that means even if I don't agree with it, I have to listen to you. I'm not telling anybody from these groups not to say what they want to say. The, the difference is they're trying to keep other people from saying what they want to say. You don't have to agree with it. But if you truly believe in freedom, then that means you can say whatever you want. I can say whatever I want. And we're left to not have or, or depend on our government to fix our problems. And as a society, we need to determine what the rules of this society is and stop making all these laws. I mean, that's what, that's what Mussolini did. That's what Hitler did is they changed all the laws to just benefit the government and not people's freedom. They took away freedoms. Which side takes away freedoms? I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. They're both stupid. But what I'm not for is taking away personal freedoms because that's the only way that you can counter whatever privilege that someone else has over you. I don't care where you started from. There's people that started from nothing. They have everything against them and they achieve great things. It doesn't make any sense if the system is set up to make sure you don't achieve anything. But it was never set up to be easy. It was never set up to be something that everybody has created equal as far as everyone got has the exact same amount of money and everybody has drives the same car and everybody gets the same you know, type of marriage and some, no, those things you have to work hard at. And just because someone's better looking than you or smarter than you, that's just the way of the world. You have to find another way to be, to outsmart them or to work harder. You know, just think of it like a, a, you know, a, a hunter and prey in the wild. You can look at certain animals that their prey is faster than them or they can have an ability that they don't have. And through evolution, they had to figure out a way to still be able to get that thing. It's the exact same thing. Just because somebody is smarter, somebody's faster, somebody's born with a different privilege than you, doesn't mean that you don't have something that you just haven't uncovered that might be considered a privilege for you. 
You just have to know how to market it and exploit it and use it to your advantage. And the only way to do that is for you to stop being a fucking passenger and start being a fucking pilot and start figuring out what you can control and control it. Or you are the definition of a weak motherfucker that is giving away all of your power. No one's taking it. Good luck taking something from me. I would fight to keep it. So you can't take it. You cannot say the system is the problem for everything. Remember the people that are complaining about a, a someone being shot or a cop arresting somebody and they have too uh, high of a jail sentence. Is that wrong? Yes, we can talk about those things. Those are wrong. If someone gets shot for robbing a liquor store and a cop shoots them fucking dead, black, white, Mexican, I don't care, that's wrong. But at some point we have to say, was that person a criminal? And if they chose not to be a criminal, would they have gotten shot? Don't put yourself in the situation to begin with. There's a story um, that I heard when I was a kid. There's a snake that's on the banks of a river. And this kid had a canoe. And he was getting ready to go across. The snake came up to me and said, hey, little boy, give me a ride on your canoe. Let me sit in your lap and take me across the river because I can't swim. And the boy goes, you're a snake. I don't want to get bit. You know, I don't trust snakes. And no, I'm not going to do it. And he's like, come on. I'm not going to do it. And the kid goes, you promise? Do you promise not to bite me? And the snake goes, yes, I promise not to bite you. So the boy puts the snake on his lap. He rows across the river. And right when they get to the other side, he's putting the snake down. The snake fucking bites him. And the kid goes, but you promised. And the snake goes, yeah. But you knew I was a snake when, you, when I made that promise. And man, that is racist against snakes, that story. Now I just realized that. But the point of that story is <laughs> that's speciest against snakes. The point of that story is this, is that boy's instincts were right. He could have mitigated that risk by going, I know snakes bite people from time to time, and I'm taking a risk by trusting the snake. Let me not do it. It doesn't mean that boy deserved getting bit. Quite the contrary. That boy was being compassionate. He was trying to help the snake. There is no reason he should get bit. And if there's a justice system uh, in this scenario, then that snake should be punished. But it doesn't mean that you can't teach that boy to not pick up snakes. It doesn't mean at some point you, you can't have a conversation to say, we need to teach our children not to pick up snakes because they might get bit. So focus on that first part. First is don't pick up snakes. Just focus on that because you can't control the rest. You don't want to depend on the quote-unquote system or the government or someone else to swoop in and fix all your problems. Fix what you can fix. And then once you've done that, you can worry about all the other stuff that might need to be leveled one way or another. But don't give up all your power. Don't live that way. 
You're going to be depressed if every day you think that you have no control over your life. So here's the positive spin that I'm giving on this. Is you can you can be any race or sexual orientation or color or religion and people don't have to like it. It's okay that they don't. It's okay if I don't. It's okay if they don't like me. Do the best you can with what you have and work hard to make whatever you have better. And if you still don't achieve it, it's not because it wasn't meant to be. It's because you didn't figure out the method to victory. You didn't figure out the way. There is a way to victory. You just didn't figure it out. doesn't mean because you don't deserve it or you're not smart. You didn't work hard. You just didn't figure it out. And that's okay because that's you can't have winners without losers. But it doesn't mean that you just give up on life. You go try something else or try a different method of what you were doing there. And realize that hard work and dedication goes a long way. And sooner or later, you will achieve some level of success somewhere in your life as long as you don't give up. And that is a promise that I will make to everyone listening to this podcast. Some level of success. I am not on the front of iTunes. I don't get a lot of downloads. I don't make any money off this podcast. But guess what? You're listening to it right now. So I have some level of success. I don't get to pick the level, but it doesn't mean that I can't work as hard as the other people and and change the things that I have power to change. Can I make this better? Can the production value be up? Can I advertise more? There's so many things I don't do. To sit there and say that Casey Neistat has a bigger podcast or Kim Kardashian or whatever else and sit there and say it's just because they're famous. Well, they might have something better than I than I have. Maybe their content is better. Maybe they're more entertaining. People don't want to admit that there's actually people that are better than them in that area. They want to blame something else. Take the responsibility back. That's where the power lies is within you if you decide to grab it. But just be careful because if you grab that power, then all the excuses go away. The only thing to blame is that reflection in the mirror. And that's why people don't do it. Because that's not fun. It's so much more fun to say, I could have done this, but this happened. Or I, I would have done this, but this happened. Well, I got a spoiler alert for everyone listening. That happens to everybody. Life doesn't go as planned for anybody. And I know you like to believe that there's people that don't have any fucking problems. They just don't bitch about it. They just don't put it all in social media for you all to to sit there and ponder over. They just live their fucking life. And seemingly, when you see them or you come across them, you think they have no fucking problems. It's because they deal with it. They don't make it a, a, a crisis. They just see it as an issue to deal with called life. So if you don't take anything away from this podcast... Uh, by now, I don't know why you'd still be listening to it. So I'm probably preaching to the choir. But if maybe there is somebody that is kind of trying to change certain neuro pathways in their brain and trying to figure out a new method, well, that's it. That's the new method right there. It starts and stops with you. And that is the greatest, that's the most positive advice I can give you is because you are in control of your own destiny. 
You just aren't in control of how hard it's going to be, but you're in control of how hard you want to work for it. So thank you for tuning into this podcast. Thank you for indulging me in uh, some of my um, opinions. But like I started this podcast saying, I know certain things to be true because I've experienced them. And nobody can ever take that away. So till next time, be kind to one another and work your ass off and go achieve something. Peace. Peace.